Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 For this reason I Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly in reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the spirit God to God's holy apostles and prophets this mystery is that through the gospel the gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power although I am less less than the least of all the Lord's people this grace was given me to preach to the gentiles and boldness riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone an administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his internal purpose that they accomplish accomplished in Christ Jesus our lord in him and through faith in him we may approach god god with freedom and confidence i ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you which are your glory this is the word of god Do you want to hear a secret? Something which for ages past according to verse 9 was kept hidden in God. Something which according to the same verse has now been made plain to everyone. You'll have noticed as we read through the word mystery a couple of times that's what it means here the idea of secret not God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform although he does. as the hymn says we never think we've got god all worked out but mystery here is something that was secret a plan hidden from the dawn of time that was mis- mystery to the human race we couldn't work it out but god has revealed it it isn't hidden anymore isn't that what paul says as we read through that again let's look at verse 3 verse 5 there's a mystery which is made known first nine it, it, it was not made known to people in other generations it's now been revealed by the spirit god's secret plan the mystery that he has at the heart of himself for everything is revealed in the gospel it's now an open secret it belongs to all of us if you're new therefore to christian things and you're with us in church this morning it's a great sunday to be here 
if you've been a Christian for ages, it's also a great Sunday to be here to realize what a privilege it is to know what we know about Jesus. You see, the Old Testament, as we read it, it's full of promises, looking forward, like the ones we read at the Christmas carol services, looking forward to the day that God would send the Messiah. And then we read the Gospels and we read that when Jesus came, he fulfilled prophecy after prophecy. He's the one. He's the one. But in verse 5, Paul talks about a third stage that needed to happen. There needed to be some explanation. The Old Testament gave us the promise. Jesus is the fulfillment. But we need some explanation. What does it all mean? How does Jesus come and change things? What does it mean now to be God's people? And just before Jesus died, he prepared his disciples for what was going to happen and he told them, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Isn't that what verse 5 is talking about? You see, Jesus came, he died, he rose, he returned to God the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to do what verse 5 talks about, leading the apostles and prophets into all the truth. People like Peter and John and Matthew and even this abnormally born apostle, Paul, who, verse 8, you see, he sees himself as the least of all. He realises he's the exception, but Jesus even included him and used him. Now, I've kept you waiting, haven't I? I asked you do you want to know a secret? And then I've kept you waiting just to explain a bit about what the words mean, the mystery that no one's worked out. Well, flip back, would you, to chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. That's when we first find this mystery word, this secret word. Chapter 1, verse 9, the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ, verse 10, to put him in fact, when the times reach for fulfillment, so it's a future times, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The mystery is, the secret that now is revealed, is that everything is about Jesus. Absolutely everything. In your experience and mine that we can see in the universe, everything, when the time reaches their fulfillment, the human race, the physical world, the universe, the unseen spirit realm filled with angels and demons, everything and everyone in existence is going to come together under a human being who is also God. Now, no one saw that coming, despite all the clues of the Old Testament promises. A human being who is also God, elevated above all things and everything coming together in unity under him. Wow. Flip back to chapter 3, verse 6, because you see the significance for you and me in that, of everything being about Jesus, everything coming together under Jesus. And the significance in verse 6 of chapter 3 is that you and I can come into the people of God. We don't need to become Jewish first. We don't need to become anything other than those who trust in this Jesus, this one who is at the centre of everything, because he's fulfilled the whole plan. Verse 6, through the gospel, the Gentiles, that's us, if we're not Jewish, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, included with Jesus in the eternal purpose of God, 
Wow, that's news. If your family were in terrible trouble, and maybe you have gone through a season like this, maybe you are in a season like this, perhaps, you're, perhaps the, your family's in serious debt, and it's a horrendous experience if that's the case. Every spare pound goes to the debt collectors, but still it seems that month by month, the statement goes, it just goes up and up and up and it shows a bigger and bigger debt and that is something, that's a reality that people are living through in our city today but imagine it was your reality if it, if it isn't and then imagine an uncle comes and says to you listen, I, I can't tell you how but you don't need to worry about your debt it's, it's, it's a secret, I, I can't tell you but from now on, don't worry about it. And you think, okay, I'm going to believe my uncle. And the statement comes through the next week and the debt's gone up more and it's keep going up and up and up. But you decide, okay, I'm going to believe my uncle. It's, it's, I, I don't understand how. It's sorted. So I'm going to start spending the spare pounds on, on food and clothes and getting everything sorted out in my life and living and you believe your uncle, the debt collectors are not about to arrive and bash down the front door and take the TV and take all the furniture. Listen, that's a tiny bit like what happens when Jesus comes. Um, our sin, our wrongdoing, our wrong attitudes, it all mounts up. It's like a debt we can never clear. It just goes up and up and up. In fact, the start of chapter 2 summarises the human condition and says we are dead in our transgressions and sins. The Old Testament prophets are like the uncle who comes along and says, trust God, he'll deal with it. The how isn't clear, but he will. And then Jesus comes and dies and gives the Holy Spirit to the apostles so that they can explain what God's done and how we can receive it, whoever we are, wherever we come from. Today is harvest and we're thanking God for providing us with food. How much more, though, do we want to thank God for providing us with his own son to bring us back to him? Because there will be a final harvest at the end of time, the harvest of souls. And without Jesus, we're dead in our transgressions and sins and on, our, on the road to hell. But as we put our faith in Jesus, out of God's sheer kindness, it talks here about the riches of God's grace. He makes us alive and brings us to God. And so at the harvest, we'll be ready for heaven. It's such good news. Now, of course, other people have other opinions about Jesus. They did during his lifetime. They have ever since. Um, someone may be aware of a Daily Express story um, um, uh, where they found some ancient lead tablets which had a different uh, interpretation of Jesus or uh, this language of secrets and mystery. It makes us think of the second century after Jesus, um, the uh, Gnostics, uh, who uh, Dan Brown, you may have heard his name, uh, Da Vinci Code guy, he's the number one fan of Gnostics as far as I can work out. Um, these people, they never met Jesus, but that didn't stop them writing Gospels and giving their interpretation of what they thought he was all about. It's been the same ever since. Islam, Mormons, JWs, all have rewritten the story of Jesus to fit with their way of looking at things. But here, in the Gospel, we have what God has said about Jesus. We have the explanation from the Holy Spirit through these apostles and prophets. And so we have the Gospel truth 
God's own word about Jesus, about how you and I can be part of his people, his family forever. It is amazing what we have here. It means this morning, if you're trusting Jesus, look at verse 6. You, I, we're, we're heirs together, members together, sharers together in the promises. Jews and Gentiles together in one body in Christ, without Gentiles needing to be Jewish. What an incredible privilege. God's secret plan is revealed in the gospel. Secondly, God's secret plan is seen in the church. Look at verse 10. Um, Now, through the church, the manifold wisdom should be made known. There's something that's made known and made visible in God's plan that there should be a church. Uh, and it's this extraordinary thing that this, everything's going to come one day under Christ in unity, as we read in chapter 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 10. And here we have chapter 3, verse 10. We have a visible sign of it here and now. And um, Andrew gave us, at the beginning of the series, a way of thinking about the first half of Ephesians, that the, the story of everything is chapter 3, verse 10, until chapter 1, verse 10. I can remember that. I can't remember on a, on a wet Wednesday what that means, but if I'm looking down at here, I can, hang on a minute, it's in Ephesians, it means chapter 3, verse 10, hang on a minute, we've got the church now until one day we're going to see everything together under Christ. And what it means is that here, this gathering, uh, the gatherings like this around the globe this morning, the gathering we've been praying about in Papua New Guinea, it's... It's a picture, it's a, it's a here and now symbol, sign, of what God's going to do one day. When um, he, he even has brought together Jews and Gentiles, but actually that's his plan for all the different tribes and tongues, and we're part of it. Uh, you may know that uh, I've got friends in uh, South Africa, and it was my privilege to uh, spend a sabbatical in Cape Town, for three months in Cape Town, it's not bad really, and that was a, a lovely privilege that I had a, a few years ago. And uh, I spent time with three different churches there. Uh, one of them, Kainisa, uh, which means be the light. Uh, it's, it's, in a huge, it's in the huge sprawling township you see. If you ever fly into Cape Town from the air, uh, where the airport is, you just see uh, this township going in pretty much every direction as far as you see as you land. Uh, and in the midst of that, in, in Kainisa, it, it's a beautiful church. Not the building. What happens inside the building is beautiful. You've got there all the different tribes and skin colours and types of people that there are in Cape Town. It regularly uses four different languages in worship and it is joyful and vibrant and it is a visible overcoming of all the barriers and divisions and pain and horrible things that have happened in Cape Town's history. It is a visible sign week by week of the transformation and healing that God brings when people put their trust in Jesus Christ. It is beautiful. And one day, after the final harvest, the book of Revelation pictures a great multitude in white before God, countless people from every nation, all tribes, all peoples, all languages. It's going to be there. It is going to be there in the future. But actually, here and now, we see a bit of it. Look at us lot. Look at 
Latimer Community Church down the road or Tabernacle Christian Centre over on, on Latimer Road or all the other churches in our area and you'll see God gathering little clusters of people who know him now and who he's brought together as a family. And he says, I love doing that. That's my church. And it's where we see here and now, uh, ahead of meeting God face to face around the throne, week by week, God is making the invisible, his wonderful plan, visible in the church week by week. It's God's plan. Sinners saved by Jesus, brought together in him, divisions healed, led by his spirit, one family, gifts released in his service, the church. It's wonderful. It's what God's doing in the world. And if we get excited about that, as I'm trying to preach it, that we should get excited about that, that actually would get our lives focused in the right way. We start to make plans that fit in with God's plan, which is to build his church. We get involved in God's future, rather than just in a little sort of distraction that I might get distracted by. It frees us. It frees us from our intense individualism that we have in the West because we realise we're part of a family. It frees us from always looking to the Middle East to see is God doing anything in the Middle East. God's doing something in the church around the world, including in the Middle East, where Jews and Palestinians are coming today and worship together. Um, it, but it's, it's, it's what he's doing in South Africa. It's what he's doing in North Kensington. God is building his church. And we're right to get excited about that. I'm told that on the plains of uh, northern India, you can live within sight of the Himalayas for months without seeing them at all. Apparently, uh, throughout the summer, the atmosphere is so thick uh, with dust and the, the haze that you, you never actually see them. And then you wake up one autumn morning and the magnificence of the mountain range fills the horizon. They were there all the time, but your eyes were kept from seeing them. Well, so it is with Jesus and God's plan. God's, Jesus looms above us. He is beautiful and magnificent, the centre of everything, even when we don't see him. One day we're going to meet him face to face in all his glory. But today we glimpse something of how good he is and of the plan of God through the church as he brings together people who are very, very different and makes them one family. Notice, by the way, in verse 10, who the primary audience of that is. It's the spirit realm. Do you notice that in verse 10? Uh, his intent was through the church, the manifold should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. From the beginning of the world, the angels and demons have been looking on and asking, how is God going to fix this mess that people have made on planet Earth? The constant theme of the human race, when it comes to trying our best to please God, is failure. You have the history of the Jewish people in the Old Testament and all the promises and all the possibilities and it was clear they needed a, they needed the Messiah. They needed a saviour. The world did because the Gentiles are far worse than the Jews. At least the Jews were trying. Not like the rest of us. And then Jesus comes. A new humanity. Faithful to God. Loving God. Living for God. And saving sinners. Bringing us together to God, to each other, healing the divides. That's God's wisdom on display in the heavenly realms that ordinary people like us should be brought back to him. The church is the most amazing thing on planet Earth. It's far from the finished article. As If you're visiting us today, if you spend five minutes with us after the service, you'll see we are far from the finished. But the harvest hasn't come yet. We're still growing 
until the day of harvest. Notice there's no promise here of an easy life. Paul is in prison as he writes this. In verse 1 he says, exactly for preaching the gospel. In verse 13 he talks about his suffering. They'd find that really discouraging. Their star player's been taken out. But Paul believes what he's preaching. He says, listen, Jesus is in charge of everything, so I know there's Roman guards either side of me, but actually I'm a prisoner of Christ. See that in verse 1? It's lovely. Christ wants me in prison. I'm his prisoner. I'm not a prisoner of my circumstances. And that is a great thing to realise when we go through hard times. I'm not a prisoner of my circumstances. It's God who orders my steps. Last time I um, I went home to mum and dad, um, I watched an episode of um, Fake or Fortune with them. Uh, It's like kind of Antiques Roadshow or Cash in the Attic. There's a family with a painting on the wall and it's, it's kind of a bit old or it's at the back of a cupboard or something and it's dirty and the frame's a bit bashed up and they take it to the experts who clean it up and have a look at it and say, wow, that's worth a million pounds. That's a bit like what we've been doing this morning with the gospel message and our thinking about church. Familiar maybe for many of us in the room. But we've had a chance this morning to just see how precious Jesus is. We know God's plan for everything. It used to be secret. But now God's revealed it in the gospel. Look at what it means for us, verse 12. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's what Jesus has brought us into. Confidence before God, before God. And we can be confident in this gospel, confident even when there's suffering, confident to share what he says, to enjoy him, to get to know him day by day in prayer and as we gather week by week. We know God's plan. And we are part of God's plan, which is to put all things together under Christ and here and now to have a church. Which means warts and all, we want to love God's church for all that he is making it into and we want to play our part in it.